Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. I'm glad that you're here. It is a big uh, service, big Sunday for us, Life Coop launch. Uh, This is huge for us. I don't like Brooke putting that pressure on me that service has to be short today and that I'm gonna burn the house down. I can't guarantee you that I'm not gonna get my preach on because I am pretty passionate about this subject of people finding biblical community. We actually kind of changed that phrase. Uh, I, I felt led to do that because I felt like there needed to be an adjustment that happened even in the semantics of how we communicate about relationships in the church. We found ourselves in a place, and I've talked about this before, so I won't belabor too long, but where we realized we had become a church that was really good at helping people find community, but we saw over a course of a couple of years and difficulties and struggles and marriages struggling, those types of things, that community doesn't always mean that it's biblical community meaning that it's one thing for people to gather together and find other people that like the same stuff they like and and they like eating together and they like hanging out, but it's a completely different thing when the focus is, yes, but we have to grow in Christ. We have to grow in the word. We have to be around people that love us and accept us for who we are, but also love us too much to leave us there if we aren't being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so today is about that. Today is not just about you finding friends. That is important, but we want you to find godly friends. And there's a difference between those two things because one is focused on eternity and your purpose and your calling and your design and how it fits into that eternity. And the other may not care that much about it at all. And so we have to find godly friends. All right, write this down. It may be in your notes. I don't know if it's in your notes, but if it's not, you should write it down. Friendships without foundation will fail. Friendships without foundation will fail. It reminds me a lot of, of when I was in high school. How many of y'all remember your, your friends in high school, right? So I, I moved around a lot. So I was at a lot of different high schools. But I remember my senior year and I was in one school and I quickly, I made this small group of friends, okay? And, and, and I'll just admit to you, we were in choir together, okay? So uh, I actually had a, a good voice back then. Uh, I don't know what happened, but it went away. But, but I had this, this close group of friends and, and man, we were just like, we had each other's back, right? So I remember talking to him like, man, you're my homie. My ride or die, I got your back, right? I remember coming to the end of my senior year and, and we had like the yearbooks and all that stuff, you know, so the girls are like writing like forever friends and like, you know, don't ever change. Well, I'll always be there for you. We're always gonna be friends, best friends forever. How many of y'all know that doesn't usually work out? Like it goes from best friends forever to like, who is that? Like, I don't know, even know if I recognize them. Because those friendships, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, hey, what's the foundation that actually makes a true friendship? One that really does last and help you become the person you're supposed to be. Here's the deal. If you don't have godly friends in your life, you have got to have some spiritual godly friends in your life because if you don't, you will derail. You'll get off track. 
One day you'll wake up in the back of someone else's El Camino with a lower back tattoo of a snake and you won't understand exactly how you got there. And it's all because you didn't join a life group. (laughs) This is serious, people. I based that joke on a true story. So you need to know if you don't have spiritual friends in your life, things can get bad quick. There's this wisdom book that we just finished this series on the wisdom books. We didn't talk a lot about this wisdom book, and that's the book of Ecclesiastes. But in this book, it doesn't start off that encouraging, depending on what translation you're reading, because it starts off with meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. It's like, okay, next book. (laughs) Like, you don't want to hang out in that unless you understand exactly what the author is saying. They're not exactly sure who wrote it. They, a lot of people assume that it's, It was Solomon, but we don't know that. So we'll just say whoever the author was when he was writing that in the original word, in the original Hebrew, it's the word Havel. And that word Havel means vapor or smoke. So really what he's communicating is temporary. Everything is temporary. You can see it. You know it's there but you won't be able to grasp it all the time. You can't control it. And so what the author starts communicating is, how do you find meaning and purpose in a life that is a vapor? That before you know it, you can see it, but then it's gone. How do you find what really matters? In a life that for all of us, I don't care if you live to be 107 years old in light of eternity. I know that's not the most encouraging thing. But I will say this. It should put an urgency in your bones to figure out what really matters then if I'm not here that long. Well, In chapter four, the author starts talking about one of these elements that you've got to understand living a life that ultimately is here and gone. And in verse seven, it says this, I observed yet another example of something meaningless, something else that is like a vapor under the sun. This is a case of a man who is all alone without a child or brother yet who works hard again as much to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Okay, so you gotta see this all in the full context and I'm gonna get to that, but some of you are like, that's right. That's why I'm quitting my job tomorrow. I hear they're giving out a lot of free money these days. No, what he's saying is, spending all of my strength and my time and my energy building wealth. For what? For what? I promise you this. God is not going to need your contribution of wealth in heaven. It ain't going to help anything in eternity. He's already got streets of gold. Okay, so he says that, and he says, look, <clears throat> why, why is this so important? Because two people are better than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. Never two dudes. Uh, that might be okay for maybe uh, someone else, but okay, let's just keep this within. I guess they would. I mean, it is true. If you're dying from hyperthermia, I guess I would snuggle with another man. But that is like the only, that's it. That's the only time. But how can one stay warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated Ah, that's physically and spiritually, people. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Researchers from Duke and the University of Arizona did a study. They interviewed 1,500 people and found that only 50% of people had someone outside of their family, their immediate family, that they could confide in. Only 50% of people. So, 50% of the people that they interviewed had no one to listen to their struggles and no one to celebrate their successes outside of their immediate family. How many of y'all know that when we are living life alone, things get unhealthy? I was watching this show. Has anybody ever seen the show on History Channel called Alone? Alone? Okay, these people, there's 10 people that are dropped off in crazy environments, and they are all alone. They have no one else around them. They have video cameras to videotape themselves, and they are surviving, okay? So they, these are survival experts. These are people that know how to, how to deal with these types of environments, okay? But as I watch the show, and people start dropping out, you know the number one reason why people drop out? It's not because they're starving. It's not because of the elements. It's not because of all the things that most of us would drop out because, and you know why they drop out? Because they get really crazy and unhealthy psychologically. They tap because they cannot handle emotionally, mentally, and it affects them physically being alone. That's the reason why they tap out. That's because God didn't create them to be alone. Every part of who you are was created to be connected to the body of Christ. How many of y'all saw the movie Castaway? Tom Hanks, okay. You're alone, you're gonna make a volleyball your best friend. You're gonna paint a face on him, start talking to him. Some of you are like, what's wrong with that? Okay, that's the reason why we're talking about this right now. Because it's not okay. Everybody's a little more crazy when they're alone. When you isolate yourself, you wind up having some really, really off-track thoughts. But you also become very socially unaware and honestly irrelevant. Like you're not gonna be able to connect to people where they're at. And you don't grow because you don't have anyone speaking into your life. Genesis 2, 18. From the very beginning, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So relationships, like I've said, are the heartbeat of our church, learning about God's word and his heart together in groups, having real people around you, living life with people, bearing with one another's burdens, laughing together, crying with each other, celebrating together, serving together. But most people go their entire life without those things. 
even successful people, some people work and work and work to get to the top and they're addicted to their jobs and they're addicted to their careers because they're obsessed with success. But when they get done, they don't have anyone to share it with. Like I've met some very successful people. They get to this place where they think, okay, I've arrived. Their kids are all grown up. They don't have a relationship with them and they don't have one close friend. That's pretty sad. And I think people are lonely even though they won't say it like that because they have tons of friends and acquaintances. Social media has painted this completely false picture of what real relationships are, what they're about. So how can people be so connected and so lonely at the same time? Why do we need godly friends? Why? Because godly friends help us succeed. Verse nine, two people are better than one for they help each other succeed. Now I'm not trying to imply that you aren't successful, but being connected to other men and women of God will help you succeed in everything that God has called you to do and be, which is very different than how the world defines success. People that'll help you be that woman of God, that man of God that he's called you to be, that mother, that father that he's called you to be, the leader, the businessman, businesswoman, whatever it is, help you live your life to the full with wisdom and purpose. We need a place where we can belong and be real. I find a lot of people never get connected in church because they are concerned that if they really get close to people, that people won't really accept them for who they are. A lot of people are very hesitant about that. Romans 12, nine says this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So let's just break that down. Love must be sincere. Look, we want you to be able to be real. This is God's heart for you, to be in a place where you can be authentic. Then it says, hate what is evil, I desperately want you to be around friends who hate evil. That's, trust me, as your pastor, I pray for that more than almost anything else in your life, that you can find some friends that genuinely hate evil so that you can cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Yes, please. Please do that. What is good? What is good? Well, let's check out the early church. How many of y'all think that's a pretty good example? Like if we want to be like a church, let's be like the original church as much as possible. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man. Man, we want you to laugh. <laughs> How many of y'all know that laughter is good medicine? I mean, we, you got, we want you to enjoy life, but we want you learning biblical principles with people. The word of God. Eating is good, amen? 
We want you hanging out, eating together, but we want you praying for one another, standing in the gap and interceding. We need people that will be there for us in the highs and lows of life. Also, godly friends, help us get back up. Verse 10, if anyone falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I have fallen in my life. I've also fallen quite physically in this room. Some of y'all may remember. There's a little PTSD attached to this story for me, so I don't appreciate some of y'all laughing as loud as you're laughing. Mom. (laughs) Two, three years ago, candlelight services. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a snow machine, they said. So we did. Do you know what a snow machine is? It is a bubble maker using a very similar substance to soap. Have you seen these stairs? These are, this is a descending slip and slide with artificial snow on it, okay? So Cody and I get up here and we welcome people. Candlelight, celebrating Jesus. This is gonna be awesome. We're gonna worship some more. And I go to walk off this stage. My foot hits that top step and my feet go straight out in front of me. I remember instantaneously thinking, man, I'm so thankful Cody's holding onto my arm right now. Quickly realized that she did one of these. Like, I ain't going down with you, big boy. (laughs) So much for being there for each other. And there is a dent in this step right here. (laughs) Where my forearm came down and hit. That hurt. Emotionally and physically. But you know what? I was really thankful that when I was at the bottom of these steps, I had five or six people there quickly, concerned, maybe laughing a little, but concerned, (laughs) more concerned than laughter, helping me up. Man, you better have people like that around you when you fall. There is one thing in life that you don't want to wait until it's too late to have, and that is a true friend. And I see that happen way too often. Too many people are waiting way too long before they have a true friend to pick them up. Not having a true friend when you really need one, it's kind of like going to change a diaper and forgetting baby wipes. Any parent that's had babies, this has happened to you at one point or another in your lifetime, you're in real trouble. Why? Because you've already taken the dirty diaper off. They're ticked. You can't stick that baby back on. Depending if it's one or two, I'm just saying, like, you may have to. But what do you do? No one's there. You can yell across the house, but no one's there. What are you going to use a sock? I mean, what? uh, You're in trouble. 
But it's so much more sad, honestly, when there's people that face tragedy, that fall on their backside, and there is no one there to lift them up. I've given this example so many times. I have been to the hospital around people that were connected in biblical community. And I'll get there, and they will already have been there way before I got there. I find that there are people, when they're in biblical community, when they're in a life group, I'm like an afterthought. Like their life group has all been there. Like this, maybe they've been in the hospital for a day. They're like, should somebody call the pastor? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> and it literally is like that. I will show up. I'm like, pastor is here. I know the perfect prayer for this situation. And they're looking at me like, I don't even know why you're here, big boy. We got this. We got them. And not just for a visit, but when they're out of here and when they're going to still need somebody to love them and when they're still going to need somebody to encourage them and comfort them and pray for them and bring them meals and watch kids. We got them covered. I've also been in the hospital. People that don't have that. It's a lot more discouraging. And at that point, I'm scrambling. Who can I connect them with? Because they're going to need somebody to carry them after this. They're going to need somebody to encourage them. They're going to need somebody to help them. And a lot of times, I'll wind up reaching out to another life group. And they adopt them in. But it's so much more difficult than if they would have just seen the value. And here's the thing. I'm not talking about people that hadn't been around here for a while. I'm talking about people that have heard me give a sermon like this five or six times. And they think, that's fine for everybody else there, but we're good. We're good. Because we've got our family. Okay, that's great. But what happens when the whole family's broken down? Who's going to help you see hope? peace when everyone that's around you has the same perspective that you have you're going to need some friends that'll pick you back up Romans 12 15 says rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn Galatians 6 2 carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ Look, we've all gone through tragedy. We've fallen into sin before. Maybe some of you, you're in the middle of that right now and you don't know how you're gonna get out. I believe the church should be the safest place for you to be restored. And I think it's one of the best places for you to be restored, but it'll help if you got some godly friends. When someone goes down, how do you respond? Well, as a church, we're gonna do our best to pick them back up. But do you have anybody to help you up? Godly friends help us stay strong. Verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 18. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, 
my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, okay, that's an important qualifier. These are people that are doing their best to fall in love with Jesus, to, to, to be obedient to his word. I've seen people use this out of context where they're not really walking any kind of devotion to the Lord, but they have a label of Christian like, well, if we get a couple people together, you know, wherever two or more, and God will help us. But it says followers. I think that's really important. Look, we need support. We need encouragement. We need people to let us know when we're doing something right. We need vision from people. Every once in a while, every person needs to hear why they're awesome in God's sight. You need that. I don't care who you are. We need accountability, though, too. We need people to call us out. Listen, all of us will grow away from God without accountability. If we don't have people that we trust asking us tough questions and checking on us, then we will grow more and more selfish and prideful and more and more crazy, quite honestly. Everyone in this room has blind spots. And I'm not expecting you to know what that is right now because it's a blind spot. Someone else is gonna have to help you see it. Someone else is gonna have to be able to come along and say, hey man, I think this might be an issue. I think this is hurting your purpose, your calling, and your identity in Christ. The most hypocritical, weak, sad form of love is the type of love that sees someone that they love in danger and simply hopes that it works out for them. It is not judgmental, ruthless, or wicked of me to talk to my kids when they're doing things that are dangerous for them and correct them. I don't watch my kids play on a highway and just hope it works out for their best. No, oh, I know it's dangerous, but look how happy they are. Doesn't God just want us to be happy? I know it's probably going to end badly, but... Maybe not. Maybe it'll be okay. No. I love my kids. I have to tell them. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When iron is on iron, sparks fly. It can be intimidating. It can be scary. But it's the only way for us to be shaped. It's the only way for us to be molded. So when you look at what Jesus told us to do, the law of Christ, okay? In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what was the law of Christ? Because it's, you know, Pastor Rick talked a little bit about it. This religious, self-proclaimed, intelligent guy tried to corner Jesus, like sum up the law, big boy. And Jesus like, that's not hard. Love the Lord your God everything and love people with the same kind of love. So I would say it this way. 
We are living in a day and age where we have to love God with an unwavering conviction. And your convictions are not based on the opinions or information of this world. Your convictions and your standards are based upon nothing more, nothing less than what he has already given you in his word. And you have to hold to that and love him with that kind of conviction. And then you have to love others with shocking love. Like I can't believe they're loving me like this in spite of who I am. I've never seen love like this before. Man, if we could be a church like that, that is a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. But I'll tell you a church that I do see the gates of hell prevailing against, and that is a church that is divided over disputable issues that are not in the word of God, that, that aren't even mentioned in the word of God. And this is one of the greatest dangers of you not being plugged into biblical community with people that may see things different than how you see things. In, in, this is for free. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. Okay, so that happens to people. Confirmation bias. I just wanna find people that agree with me on this subject. Okay, you can find that on anything. On anything you can find people like that. But you will be found without wisdom. I didn't say without knowledge. I didn't say even without maybe a form of truth. But you will be found without wisdom. Wisdom applied will have, help you have love, compassion, and relationship with people that completely disagree with you. That is applied wisdom. That is what God wants for us. And I believe with all my heart, if we can get plugged into a biblical community with people that love Jesus, love God with unwavering conviction and let his word be your standard and love each, either, each other with shocking love, we can be the kind of church that the second chapter of Acts talked about. I believe that. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our, heart, or bow our heads, and our hearts. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for Pastor Rick and Michelle that, that have a heart for people to be connected, to be a relational church. And Lord, I want people to find friends, but I want us to grow. I think real friendship is that. It's people that help me grow and, and I wanna grow in you and I wanna be challenged in you and I wanna grow in your word. None of us have arrived and all of us have issues and, but all of us also have gifts and talents and strengths and God, I know that we need people that will speak into those things, the things that need to be adjusted and the things that need to be fanned into flame again. So God, help us to be that church. Help every one of us to find that community. I wanna pray for anyone that feels away from the Lord right now. You don't have a relationship with him. You have no confidence about your eternity. 
And one of the reasons why it's so important that we're talking about the subject we're talking about is because I think there is a very, very good chance that we are living in the last days. Everything that I see around me is indicating that. I don't know if Jesus will return tomorrow or in a hundred years, but the truth is this, whether it's tomorrow or a hundred years, the time is short. And I know that God's heart would be that every one of his sons and daughters would come back and into relationship with him. So if you're here today and you feel away from the Lord because you've never surrendered to him, you've never surrendered your life to him, or you have been off track, maybe because of religion, maybe because of choices you made, maybe because of a difficult season, situation and circumstance that got you off track. I want you to know that he has always loved you. He's mad about you and he wants desperately to be around you. But the only way you can have true relationship with him is by surrendering your life to him. It's by asking for forgiveness for the sin that you can't pay for, but that he sent your son Jesus to pay for. So if you're here today and you'd be willing to confess and just admit before me and your father in heaven that you need him, you need him, you're away from him. Nobody's looking around, but would you be bold enough just to confess that? If you are, would you please put your hand up right now? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down, but you just say, I'm away from Jesus and I need him. I got you, brother. Thank you so much for being bold, man. Anybody else? I'm just away from him, I need him. I got you, little man. Thank you, bro. I got you, dude. Anybody else? I'm just away from him, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Father God, I thank you for those couple of hands. I want you to know that you raising your hand is not what gets you saved. It's not even necessary if that's where your heart's at, but I just know when you do that, when you raise your hand, you make a physical act of your free will. I just know that that helps release grace. It helps release faith inside of you. But this conversation you're getting ready to have is the most important thing. And that's where you tell the Lord something like this. God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and I ask, Father God, that you would come and be the Lord of my life. I know that I can't do this on my own. I know the only way that I can fulfill the purpose that you have for me is I can't be in control. You have to be. And so I surrender to you and I repent, Father God. I stop and I turn away from living the way I wanna live. I'm living for the world. I wanna live for you with all of my life and with all of my heart. Help me to grow in an understanding of your love. Help me to understand your word. Lead me by your spirit every day. Guide me in wisdom and truth. But Lord, help me be connected to your bride, to the body of Christ, so that I can grow and continue to become the person you've called me to be for your glory, for your kingdom. Father, I thank you for the people that just said that prayer. Thank you for bringing them here. It's not on accident. And I pray that you would help us as a, as a body of believers to come alongside of them and help them grow as fully devoted followers of Christ and discipleship. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.